Okay, well, we are in the series Unwrap, and uh, you know what we've been doing each week, you know the drill. We've been unwrapping some of the gifts of Christmas, and uh, so far we've uh, wandered through the gifts that the wise men brought. Of course, they were, you can say it, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So you got the handle on all those now. Now we turn our attention to another gift, and, and it's uh, kind of a, a gift you may not totally recognize right away when you start thinking about the, the, the Christmas story. Uh, it's to, to recognize the gift of Jesus being in a manger, uh, com- coming into this world uh, in a manger. And, you know, it's not one of those things that you look at and say, well, there's the nativity scene, and, and well, you see the gold brilliant and bright, and you, s- you see the frankincense and the myrrh, and, man, that looks like gifts. But, but really, the, the manger, a gift? I mean, let's see. At your house, you're probably already wrapping presents, Right. I mean, how many of you wrap most, if not all, of your presents in plain brown paper? I'm seeing one hand. Good. Appreciate that. Personally, I'd use, you know, pick-and-save bags, but whatever. Uh, but no, I mean, we, we tend not to do that, right? Most When we tend not to do that, we, we usually like wrapping our presents in fancy paper, and, you know, the more glittery and glistening it is, the neater and cool it is, and the bigger the bow it is, and... You know, all that stuff. We wrap it up in fancy stuff, right? And, and yet, one of the gifts that we can't miss in Christmas is the reality that when God gives the gift, when, when we experience the, the advent of Jesus into the world, he comes wrapped in a manger. He comes wrapped in a manger. It, it comes to us in the Gospel of Luke. It's just straightforward about Jesus being born. While Joseph and Mary were there, the time came for the child to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn baby. It was a boy. She wrapped him in large strips of cloth. Then she placed him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, what's so amazing about this is that this was an inconvenience for Joseph and Mary. I mean, this was... I mean, this was not where you're supposed to have a baby, right? I mean, if you were at the live nativity and you, you watched the drama, right? I mean, our Joseph was there, and the innkeeper says, Hey, you know, I got this, I got this stable out back. And Joseph says, What, you want my, my wife to give birth in a stable? I mean, can you imagine what that would have been for them? I mean, really. I mean, not the place you want to be. And yet, that's exactly part of the gift. P- part of the gift of Christmas is that God chose to be born in that place and to be wrapped in a manger. I mean, think about a manger, right? It's it's a feed box, right? Probably a wood feed box or maybe a stone feed box. But uh, think about what goes into a feed box. Well, first answer would be feed, right? But what else goes into a feed box? Animals' nostrils. That's what goes in a feed box, Right? I mean, it gets slimy and mucky and gunky and animals' nostrils. And that's exactly what Jesus comes wrapped in. That is such a great gift for us. That is such an incredible gift that God chooses to be in a feed box. Matthew captures it in, uh, in his gospel and talks about the experience of God choosing to be with us and to be, be wrapped in that simple feed box. He describes it, though, going back to Isaiah, and, and he describes it this way. All of this took place to bring what the Lord had said would happen and, and had said through the prophet, 
the virgin is going to have a baby. She will give birth to a son, and he'll be called Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means God with us. That's the power of the feed box. That's the amazing thing of the feed box. God with us. That, that's the incredible gift and miracle. I mean, you, you look at the text, and I mean, there's a miracle right there in the middle of the text when it says a virgin is going to bear a son. I mean, anybody heard of that happening lately? Didn't think so, right? I mean, that in and of itself is pretty darn miraculous, and, and we'll often just kind of gloss over that one, but wow, I mean, that's amazing in and of itself, and yet in the midst of the miraculous taking place, it happens to be placed and wrapped in the simplest of things, in the grimiest of things, in this little thing called a feed box. That is utterly amazing. The statement, God with us. Now, if you look at the statement, the word Emmanuel, the name Emmanuel, uh, Matthew is quoting Isaiah. Isaiah uses the word Emmanuel three times. If you go back to the experience of uh, Isaiah. It happens during the reign of King uh, Ahaz. Now, Ahaz was not a good king, okay? He, he was a total unfaithful king, right? The guy was a jerk, okay? Uh, he just, he totally ignored God. He worshiped false idols. He was a bad king. His reign was short because of it. He was a bad king. So what's happening? Ahaz, the bad king, is having problems because he's the king of Judah, and the ten tribes to the north, Israel, are now invading Judah. On top of that, Syria, one of the enemies of Judah, is also invading Judah. And they've already taken over one of the most fortified cities in Judah. Ahaz is worried. He is worried because he sees his kingdom crumbling, and yet he knows that he's of the house and the line of David. And so he calls the prophet Isaiah and he says, Wait a minute. I thought God's promises would be true. I mean, I know the promise God made to my ancestor David, and, and I thought God always fulfilled his promises. Isaiah comes back to him, and he gives him these words out of Isaiah 7. It says, Then I said, Listen, you members of the royal family of Ahaz, isn't it enough for you to test the patience of men? Are you also going to test the patience of my God? So, look, Ahaz, isn't it bad enough that you've been a horrible king and test the patience of men? Ahaz, isn't it bad enough that you've, you've just been a total jerk as a, as a king of, of God's own Judah, right? Isn't that bad enough? But now, even worse, you're questioning whether God fulfills his promises. Really? You're questioning whether God fulfills his promises? And then he says, the Lord himself will give you a miraculous sign. The virgin is going to have a baby. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. It's like Isaiah is saying, listen, Ahaz, you may be a horrible king, but God always fulfills his promises. You can count on it. It's in the bank. You may be a horrible person, but God always fulfills his promises. You may feel like you don't measure up at all in any aspect of your life, but God always fulfills his promises. Ahaz doesn't listen. Typical of Ahaz, being who Ahaz was, he doesn't listen. Instead, what he does 
is he goes and he makes an agreement with the Assyrians. He gets the Assyrians involved and says, listen, I'll pay you as a mercenary to come in and put down Syria, my enemy, and take care of the kingdom to the north. The Assyrians do just that. Ahaz worked out a deal, smart guy that he is. He's figured he's got his kingdom back. All is good. Isaiah, in the next chapter, speaks once again to Ahaz, who didn't trust God's promises, saying this. So I'm about to bring against these people the king of Assyria and his whole army. The Assyrians will be like the mighty Euphrates River when it's flooding. They will run over everything in their path. They will sweep on into Judah like a flood. They will pass through Judah and reach all the way to Jerusalem. What's going to happen? Ahaz, you think you're a smart guy, but all you did was open the door, and Assyria is going to come in and take over Judah. Assyria is going to sweep in. Judah is going to fall, and Syria, uh, the Assyrians are going to take over the land. Now notice the last statement in what Isaiah says. He says, Emmanuel, God with us, Emmanuel, they will attack your land like an eagle. Their wings will spread out and cover it. This is so fascinating. He was talking to Ahaz, but in the last verse, who's he talking to? Emmanuel, right? He, Isaiah understands Judah doesn't belong to Ahaz. Judah belongs to Emmanuel. And even though Assyria is going to march in, and even though Ahaz is going to eventually fall, even though Judah is going to eventually fall, the land belongs to Emmanuel. And God always fulfills his promises. So right after this, he can say, Sound the battle cry, you nations, but you'll be torn apart. Listen, all you lands far away. Prepare for battle, but you'll be torn apart. Prepare for battle, but you'll be torn apart. Make your battle plans, but you won't succeed. Give your orders, but they won't be carried out. Why? That's because Emmanuel, God, is with us. This is powerful stuff. The, 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 the reality, if we can unwrap the statement, if we can unwrap what it means to be able to say in our lives, God is with us. Us. In spite of all the plans of other people, in spite of all the troubles that we will face, in spite of all the other strategies and the times that we try to take hold of our life and take control of our life and do it our way, in spite of all our faults and failures, God's promises are always true. And Emmanuel is with us. Now, this is so important to us. It is so powerful to us. Why? Because we understand that we are going to face those challenges. We should understand it more than anybody else in the world because when Jesus came into the world, when Emmanuel came into the feed box, wrapped in that feed box, right away, evil showed its face. And we're reminded of that so clearly just a little over a week ago out in Connecticut. Evil showing its face once again. And it shouldn't surprise us because we know the Christmas story. Emmanuel comes into the world wrapped in that feed box. And what's evil's response? Evil tries to stop God's plan. Evil tries to get in the way of God's purposes. Evil tries to defeat God's promises. He does it this way, Matthew 2. Herod, 
realized that the wise men had tricked him, so he became very angry. He gave orders concerning Bethlehem and the area around it. All the boys two years old and under were to be killed. This agreed with the time when the wise men had seen the star. In this way, the words of the prophet Jeremiah spoke came, spoke came true. He, he had said, A voice heard in Ramah, it's the sound of crying and deep sadness. Rachel is crying over her children. She refused to be comforted because they are gone. It happened back then. Evil showing its face and children paying the price. I mean, that's the way it is in our world. And, and, and what's our hope? Our hope is the feed box. Our hope is that God always fulfills his promises. Our hope is what we what we get together for at Christmas and, and try to unwrap in that feed box is the news that God is with us. I mean, that, that's the only way. It's for us to just grab hold of the promise that Ahaz couldn't grab and to just understand God is with us what the psalmist tried to grab in Psalm 9. He said, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a place of safety in times of trouble. Those who know you, Lord, will trust you. You do not abandon anyone who comes to you. And again in Psalm 27, For in the day of trouble he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent he will hide me. He will set me high upon a rock. I can tell you in my own life that is absolutely true. I mean, some of you know, when I was 13 years old, my father was killed. Uh, by a drunk driver. And I can tell you, the, the only way I got through that experience, and especially that first day, was because of the truth of God's promise, God is with us. That's it. And because I knew that God was with me, I could get through that experience. And, and here's the irony. The irony is that this evil that happened in my life is probably the reason I'm standing up here today to tell you God is with us. That's what he does. That's exactly what he does. He takes these extraordinary situations that evil throws into our life, and God is able to work in them because he's with us and even turn them into something for his purpose. Isn't God amazing? That's the way it is. It is the power of the statement, God is with us. We all know it if we listen to Psalm 23. We hear that all the time in times of crisis and trouble because it's true. It says, yes, though I walk through the deep sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil. For why? Emmanuel. That's why. Emmanuel, you are with me. Your rod to protect me, your staff to guide me, they comfort me. What's the good news? Emmanuel. That's it. Emmanuel. We, we can deal with it, we can face it, we can endure it, we can overcome it. Why? Emmanuel, God with us. That makes all the difference for us. Just because we know God is with us. And if God is with us, then God is willing and able to work His purposes in our life. Even if we feel like feed boxes. Even if we feel like feed boxes. Even if we feel like we don't measure up, even if we feel like we've failed before, even if we look in the mirror and say, how can that possibly be in my life? It's not about us. It's about what God can do. And God can come and wrap himself in a manger and be with us. You see it all over the Bible. You see it all over in the experiences of God's people. 
You can go to a God like a guy like Moses, right? A guy like Moses. God comes to Moses. He says, Moses, I got a great plan with you for you. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go down to Egypt. You're going to free my people who've been in slavery for over 400 years. Moses says, You got to be kidding. I'm just a feed box. After all, I've been out here in the desert just being a, a sheep herder all these years. I'm 80 years old. I just don't think I can do it. And, and God's response to him is. You know, Moses says, who, who am I that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, Emmanuel, I will be with you. I will give you a miraculous sign. I will prove that I have sent you. You see the power in this word? For us who feel like feed boxes to understand, it's not about us. It's all about him. It's the incredible message. God is with us. You get a guy like Joshua. He takes over for Moses. Imagine that. Moses, the great leader, and now it's your responsibility to take over. You're supposed to take over the reins. And not only that, you're supposed to march into Israel and Judah. You're supposed to march in there and take over the whole land. And you're supposed to do it with a bunch of people who've been slaves for 400 years who have no military experience. Do you think you'd have a few doubts? And yet, look what God says to Joshua. Joshua... No one will be able to stand up against you as long as you live. Why? Emmanuel, I will be with you. Just as I was with Moses, I will never leave you. I will never desert you. Be strong and brave. Emmanuel, God with us. So you may feel like a feed box, but that's the miracle. That's the incredible thing. God is with us, and he wraps himself up. In feed boxes. That's the way it works. And he did it with his disciples who were just like us. And so these disciples who deserted him and they ran away when he was arrested and they denied him and they, they were in fear until he rose from the dead and he started showing up. And before he leaves, Jesus takes him out and he says to him, Now go, do incredible stuff, baptize, teach everybody, raise the dead, accomplish miracles, do stuff you never thought possible. What's the key? And you can be sure of this, that I am always with you to the very end. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That's what it is. The incredible good news that God wraps himself in a feed box to be with us. What's that mean for us? If we really grab that, if we really unwrap that, it, it means... That God's promise over our lives, and God always fulfills His promises. We learned that from Ahaz in Isaiah. God's promise over our lives is when you receive Christ, He is going to be working in your life, and He is going to be going in front of you to prepare your future. You can grab it uh, right here. <clears throat> it's uh, from the Gospel of John. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, incessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. Emmanuel. Jesus sees to it that you and I have the experience of being able to unwrap Jesus every day in our life. To unwrap the power of God every day in our life. We have the promise over our lives to unwrap what God is doing in our life every single day. And so we can be like Joshua. And God can say to us, just like he said to Joshua, 
be strong, be courageous, be firm, fear not, nor be in terror before them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. And look at later on in verse 8. It is the Lord who goes where? Before you. God with us. Emmanuel. Now, are you amazed by this so far? I mean, this is an incredible word, right? It gets even better. It gets even better because the Apostle Paul teaches us an even more profound reality of what it means to have God with us. He teaches it in Colossians 1 when he says, he's talking about the word that he brought. He says, that word contains the mystery that has been hidden for many ages, but now it has been made known to God's people. God has chosen to make known to them the glorious riches of that mystery. He has made it known among those who aren't Jews. And here is what it is. So what's the mystery? Christ is in you. Hello, fellow feed, feed boxers. That's what we are. The manger. The feed box. With all the slime from animals' nostrils. With all the failures and faults. God chooses to be in the middle of your life. Even if you don't feel like you measure up, even if you've made faults and failures, the good news is God is with us. Unwrap the incredible gift of not just a manger back in Bethlehem, but unwrap the incredible gift of being able to look in the mirror and see yourself as that manger that place where God chooses to reside. If we can just grab that, if we can just grab what it means to say, God with us. Just try to help you meditate on that. I want you to watch the screens and uh, listen to Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher of old. Listen to Charles Spurgeon as he tries to put words to the miracle of God with us. Watch the screens.
It is the laborer's strength. How could he preach the gospel? How could he bend his knees in prayer? How could the missionary go into foreign lands? How could the martyr stand at the stake? How could the confessor acknowledge his master? How could men labor if that one word were taken away? God with us is the sufferer's comfort, is the balm of his woe, is the alleviation of his misery, is the sleep that God gives to his beloved, is the rest after exertion and toil. God with us is eternity's sonnet, is heaven's hallelujah, is the shout of the glorified is the song of the redeemed, is the chorus of angels, and is the everlasting oratorio of the great orchestra of the sky. God with us. Father, thank you for that truth that you choose to be in this world, to be wrapped up in our lives, to not be distant, to be, but to be intimate. And Father, we just pray today that you would just pour your forgiveness over us for all those times that we've been like Ahaz, or even those times when we've been as horrible as Herod. Forgive us, renew us. Lead us in the right paths of truth and wisdom. Let your promises pour over us and help us to yield in every situation that we can let you rule over each moment and each thought. Father, we want to be that feedbox. We want Christ in the middle of everything. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.